This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. As I was asking the Lord what he wanted me to share with you this morning, my thoughts turned to my pre-Christian days. My neighbor and I would get together weekly to discuss the Lord and try to understand the scriptures. We had lots of questions. We went from trying to understand the laws of the Old Testament to trying to figure out the Antichrist in Revelation. I must admit the person that we had picked out as the Antichrist was not right. In fact, our interpretation of Revelation was pretty bad. We decided to visit churches hoping to find some answers. I recall at one church we visited, a woman approached me at the end of the service and asked me the question, are you saved? And in my mind, I wasn't sure what she was even talking about because I had never heard that phrase before. Later, I was invited to attend a Christian coffee fellowship. There were three women guest speakers. The first two gave a short testimony, but the third woman went into great detail of what the Lord had done in her life. At the close of her talk, she handed out blank index cards and asked everyone to answer this question. What would you like the Lord to do for you today? I watched everyone there fill out a card But my card was blank because I didn't know what to write. I didn't have any understanding what they were talking about. So I folded my blank card and placed it in my pocketbook. My search continued, and then finally, February of 1978, through my friend who was very faithful and witnessing to me, I gave my heart to the Lord. My new life had begun because I had asked Christ to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to be my Savior and Lord. I became delighted in my new relationship with the Lord and his word. I couldn't get enough of the word of God. I began to, I understood it because you see in school, I always had a problem with comprehension. So this was so exciting that I, me, Judy Kurzik, could understand the word of God. The Holy Spirit made the word come alive and changes began to, began, began in my life as I applied the Bible to my life. It is good to reflect on our salvation experience, how we came to the Lord, the thirsting for the word of God, the desire to come to church, the excitement when he answers prayer, and other milestones in our walk with the Lord. It serves as a spiritual checkup. It helps us to recognize how far we may have grown or the lack of our growth. We need to ask ourselves these questions. Am I studying the word of God more than I did a year ago? Am I, still, am I still seeking God in prayer every day? Is my faith growing? Am I living a victorious life? Or am I still struggling with the same thing I was three months, six months, or even a year ago? Is my life bearing the fruit of the spirit, meaning is God working within me? Number one is love. Do I love God with all my mind, my soul, and my spirit? Do I love others even when they're unlovable? What about joy? Is my joy based on the love toward his love towards me? 
his forgiveness, his grace, his blessings, the fellowship with other Christians, peace. Do I have quietness of heart knowing that I am right with God and with other believers? Patience, that's the one I need to work on. Am I patient and long-suffering with those I'm close to, family and friends? And what about those times that you have to wait in a line at the grocery store or you're stuck in traffic? Kindness. Am I careful not to hurt anyone or cause them pain? Goodness. Do I demonstrate acts of kindness, good deeds? Do I resist all moral evil? Faithfulness. Am I faithful to my commitments to God and to those around me? Gentleness. Are my words kind and or are they harsh? Self-control. Am I able to regulate my emotions, my feelings, and every aspect of life? This is a lifetime process. But we need to ask the Lord to change your heart and to help us in those areas that we are still struggling with. We need to avoid those things that cause us to fall into the trap, that cause us to walk in a, according to our feelings or emotions. We need to be alert and plan ahead. If you know you're going to go visit Uncle Charlie, and you know Uncle Charlie's going to say that thing that's going to trigger you. You need to be prayed up before you go see, see Uncle Charlie. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life. We can't earn it, and we don't deserve it. Your decision to follow Christ is only the beginning. We need to take our responsibility to grow in salvation, and in the walk with our living Christ. It isn't that you just give your heart to the Lord and you say, okay, God, you do all the work. Yes, it is free, but we do have to take on that responsibility. God created you to worship him. He wants to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship with him. He says in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Never be satisfied where you are because there's so much more to know about God that he wants to reveal to you. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time and have not grown spiritually, listen to what Hebrews 12 says. This is according to the NLT. You've been Christians a long time now, and you want to be teaching others, but instead... You have dropped back to the place where you need someone to teach you all over again the very first principles in God's word. You are like babies who can drink only milk and not old enough for solid food. And when a person is still living on milk, it shows he isn't very far along in his Christian life and doesn't know much about the difference between right and wrong. He is still a baby Christian. You should be desiring the meat of the word. If that is you, you need to be honest with God. He knows everything anyways. You ask the Lord to forgive you and to change your heart so that you will desire more of him. He says that if you draw near to me, he said, I will draw near to you. He is for us. He's not against us. And that he loves us with an everlasting love. Our growth with Christ needs to be on the straight and narrow path. 
We live in a sinful world, and because of that, there, were, there are and will be obstacles, challenges, temptations, or whatever you want to call it that will try to hinder your growth with the Lord, even the good things that we have. They can come between you and the Lord. And we have to remember that our growing with the Lord only ends when we take our very last breath. As Christians rightly related to the Lord, we should deny all ungodliness and worldly desires. You see, the world sets up its own standards that don't necessarily line up with the word of God. I have met many people that are wonderful, they're kind, but they've created their own moral values that they have created that are totally not lined up with the word of God at all. Listen to what Proverbs 4 says. Solomon is passing instructions onto his sons about pleasing the Lord. It says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them go out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, it says, Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's the desires and the decisions that you make. Keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you, and give careful thought to the paths your feet and to keep steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right, or do not turn to the left, but keep your foot from evil. It says in Psalm 16, 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Our number one priority in life is to seek and cherish our relationship with the Lord. The word seek is something that you really look for, you're diligently look for. That's like me. Every Sunday I go through the same thing. I seek out my keys. And I don't know how I lose them because they're so big. But I, I go everywhere looking for my keys because I want to find them. And that is the way it is with our relationship with the Lord. We need to seek the things of God with all of our heart. And then I think of the word cherish. The word cherish is like that person, that friend that gives you that gift. You may not like that gift. But that person gave it to you because out of the love that they have for you, they spent time, they spent money. And so you keep that gift that they've given you. Or I think of the person, the mom or the dad or the child that's won that trophy. It is so special to you. You want to cherish it. So you stick it up on the mantle. And you're so careful that that doesn't fall off the mantle. You dust it. You take good care of it. Or what about the little child brings home the first picture? They say, Mommy. Look at what I drew for you. It is so precious. You don't want anything to happen to that. So you take that picture and you put it in a box and you stick it in the drawer. And I hear on, I see on television where people have lost their homes due to weather or fire. And they're so thankful that their, their lives were taken. But they say, I've lost everything else, all my pictures, all my memories. That's how it should be with God. We need to cherish him. He is the most precious thing that we'll ever have in our life. One of the commentaries that I was reading says this, follow on to know the Lord. 
labor to know him more clearly and more fully, to know more of Christ and to know him to better purpose. That word labor is something that we have to work at. Yes, it's that we, don't, we can't earn our way to heaven. It is a gift, but we, there again, we have to take that responsibility. Don't rely on yesterday's walk with God because today is a new day. If we stop depending on the Lord daily to meet our own needs and begin to rely on our own strength, our relationship with the Lord becomes distant and cold. Psalm 16.2 says, apart from me, I have no good thing. We have no good thing. We can have everything in the world. We can have every gadget in the world. We can have the best lovely house you ever saw, all the cars we want. But folks, if we have Christ, we, are, we have nothing. We are poor in spirit. But when you have Christ, you have everything. Because when we die, as you know, you can't take that dress with you. You can't take that car with you. The only thing you can take with you is that relationship that you have with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians 3.8, I consider everything a loss to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. He says, I consider them rubbish. I consider them rubbish. So Paul's desire should be our desire to experience his personal fellowship and presence. We need to guard our heart especially if you've been serving the Lord for a while, that we don't allow the things of God to be something of a routine. Like we get up in the morning, we, oh, I've got to pray today. I've got to do that. So we pray. Oh, where's my prayer list? I've got to say my prayer list. Oh, I've got to do that. It's not, it's just, that's not the way we want it to be. Colossians 2, 6 says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, Continue to live in him, rooted. So I go to Home Depot, and I'm going to plant a rose bush because I want a rose bush. So what I do, and I, what I do is I haven't done this. I'm making this all up as I go along. So I dig this big hole, bigger than the rose bush itself, and then I put a little bit of water. I hope I'm doing this right. And then I break up the, the roots, and then I stick it in, and then I put some more water in there, and then I put dirt in there, and then I pounce on it so it'll be really hard because what I want to happen with that rose bush, I want it to grow. I want it to get really rooted so it will bear fruit. Now, my favorite flower is a poinsettia, and every year I treat myself to a $4.99 poinsettia. And so I bring that poinsettia home, and I put it in my living room, and I, have a, I either starve it from water or I drown it. And so I, I go and I have noticed about poinsettias is what happens when they start to die, the tips of the leaves, they start turning brown and they start curling and then they start getting crinkly. And, and then, you know, you go in and you see one leaf and it's gone and you pick up that leaf and then you see two and three. And then I notice that, well, I got to give it some more water. So I give it some more water. And then what happens, I notice that the plant itself can, you know, you can wiggle it around. And before you know it, I go back in, I check it another couple of days, and there's nothing left but a stem. That's it. 
And that's what can happen in our own spiritual life. If we neglect those things with, with God, we need to stay rooted in God. And the only way we're going to do that is by doing the coming to church, reading your Bible, and praying. Scripture says that, in 1 Peter, it says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Now, the animal kingdom teaches us that predators, like lions, usually look for and attack the animals that are alone and have wandered away from the flock. Such strays are in exposed position because they lack the protection afforded by the large numbers of others of the like kind. And that's like our adversary likes nothing better than pouncing on sheep who are trying to do it alone. Jesus says, do not forsake the gathering together. There's a reason there. Because when we're out there, we just get caught up in the world. And that's when the enemy comes. And before you know it, we're no longer interested in the things of God. We need to be in church every week, but that isn't where it ends. We need to be here, the word of God being preached. But what goes on during the week? It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing with the Lord. It's a daily special time that you have with God. I can't express enough the importance for new Christians or those rededicating their lives to Christ to understand the fundamental truths of the faith. That is w the reason why we have a new believers class every Sunday at 930. We desire that all Christians develop godly disciplines to enrich their walk with the Lord. We discuss what happened to me. Where do I go from here? How do I understand the Bible? How can I pray effectively? How can I be a strong Christian? What does God expect of me? How can I know the will of God? And what are the two baptisms? A deep relationship with Christ comes into play when our desires and purpose is to glorify him. If we just do things for the sake of doing things, it's no more, it's just like legalism because we're all, all we're doing is the, the do's and the don'ts. It has to be out of our love for God. Jesus says that, well, the surest evidence that we love him is by our obedience to him. He says that whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. We read, we study, we meditate on his word so that we will not sin against him. Although we are not perfect, our love for him should be genuine. Jesus goes on to say, he who loves me will be loved by my father and I, too, will love him and show myself to him. He will sh teach you things. He will show you things in his word that become alive. He says that if anyone loves me, he will obey my teachings. You can know all the word of God. You could have that book memorized from Genesis to Revelation, but if you don't do what it says, you need to do what it says. He says, my father will love him, and we will come to him, and we'll make our home with him. He reveals to us his love toward us. The knowledge, he gives us the knowledge of his will or his call on our life. 
Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. He says, I will counsel you and watch over you. He gives us the inward peace. His presence is with us, even when life becomes very challenging and turbulent. Oh, boy. That word turbulent reminds me of the airplane. If most of you know I don't like to fly. I don't mind the landing because I know my feet are going to be in the ground soon. But it's the taking off that I don't like. It's just like you're, you've lost total control. And then when that plane starts to shake, when, we start, when it starts to have turbulence, I don't like it. I mean, you can see my fingerprints in, on, the, on each side of me because I'm hanging on for dear life. But I've been told, and I don't want to test this out, but I've been told that turbulence cannot take a plane down. That's like our, our walk with God. We may go through turbulence in our life. We may have challenges and trials. We may be, but we're going to take like I took hanging on when it, in the plane. You're going to hang on to Jesus because he's going to get us through because he loves us. He loves the everlasting love. He's going to be with you. He's going to give you the strength. He lets us know that everything is going to be all right. He says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. It's not your friends. It's not your spouse. It's the living God that will strengthen you. He says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, for I will help you. He says, I never will leave you, nor will I forsake you. Do you believe that today? Amen. I want to share with you, I went through a little turbulence. We all have stories. But I want to share with you this one story that I went through. It was December 5th, um, 1995. It was a typical day. Uh, it was on a Thursday night around 11.30. My husband, um, uh, my former husband, he would he'd do the same thing every day, every day, Monday through Friday. He would come home. He, would, he worked in a warehouse. He would, he would take a shower. He'd have his snacks, and then we would talk about how our day was. Well, this one night, he, he was talking. He stood up, and he said, I'm in trouble, and he, he had a massive heart attack. And um, and so I'm on 911, and I'm doing everything they tell me not to do. And so I tried to save them, but I couldn't save them. So all I remember was when I got up off the floor, you know, you're down, you're trying to do what you need to do. All I know was I never in my life has have felt the presence of God so strong. It was like I was engulfed in a bubble and the fact just to walk across the room was very difficult because his presence was so strong. And he spoke to my heart and he said to me, I am the God of the living. And that everything was going to be all right. And it was. God was with me through that whole thing. Did I cry and mourn? Of course I did. I did. 
But he did the remarkable thing. My husband, um, he didn't leave much. We weren't much debt, but we did have a small school loan from my son. And someone said, Judy, why don't you just call them? And I did, and they said, we're going to consider this canceled. It's been paid in full. I had My husband had a dentist bill. Same thing. Called, and they said, we're going to consider this paid. Everything he worked out, every detail for me, every single thing. Now, I went to church. That he, died on a, he died at 12.05, December 5th. And I was in church on Sunday morning, and people were coming up to me going, why are you in church? You just lost your husband. I go, this is where I need to be. This is where the word of God is being preached. This is where my brothers and sisters are. This is where I need the support. And so here it was at my husband's funeral, wake, and my very best friend, and I have to tell you this, she's my best friend. She's very balanced. She's, she loves the Lord with all of her might, soul, and spirit. She comes up to me and says to me, Judy, you are going to be engaged within the year to be married. I go, are you crazy? I said, I haven't even buried my husband, and you're telling me I'm going to be married? She's, I'm telling you, you'll be married by the end of the year. Well, I just let it go and went off in my life, wasn't out. I would have got married again, never thought anything of it. But guess what? I'm at a prayer meeting of all places, and I met John. And I have to tell you, isn't that great? <laughs> it's so funny because the church, I was a church administrator there, and we would have Bible studies on Wednesday night. When John started dating me, everybody in the church sat right in our section behind me. They, didn't, they wanted to protect me. They didn't want me to get married. So anyways, so you know how men, when they're going to ask the woman to marry them, they come up with all this creative stuff. They have a ring in the cake. They have the candles. And so, but not my John. <laughs> He's John. I love him. So he invites me over to his house. He said, I would have invited you sooner, but I had to do some cleaning. Every dish was in the sink. That was his cleaning. He threw all the dishes in the sink. So he decided that he was going to cook me um, a dinner. So what does he cook me? Chicken noodle soup. <laughs> and it, he served me in a plastic bowl. <laughs> it was the worst soup I had ever tasted in my life. <laughs> That's what you get for marrying a man who's never married for. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm, I'm like, oh, this, he's, oh, look at this, isn't that soup good? I got this, and, and I didn't want it. It was so watery. It was so bad. God, it was so bad. <laughs> and so as he's spooning up, I'm spooning up the soup because I've got to eat it. And he said, will you marry me?
So one more story. So then, and so then what happens the day we get married, he looked so depressed. He looked so sad. I was afraid he was going to run out of the altar. He was going to leave me standing at the altar. I never saw anybody look like he was going to a funeral. But I know why. Because the, he, the pastor asked him this question. He said to me, first he said to me, Judy, I want you to know that everything you own belongs to your husband. And John, I want you to know that everything you own belongs to her. And I know what he was thinking. Are you kidding me? She's got to drive my sports car sitting out there. <laughs> but anyways, but it was, it's all good. And so we ended up getting married June 20th, June 30th, June 30th, 1996, within one year. That was a word of knowledge. Isn't that great? I got married. Anyways, isn't that good? Okay, so the Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need for the life and godliness through our knowledge of him and calls us by his own glory and goodness. He's given us everything to grow. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us his inspired word. We just need to apply it to our lives. We want to grow. We want to grow and be more like Christ. This is our goal. We're not perfect, but we're, we're hopefully we're all, set, we're all heading the right direction. Now, let me ask you, if you were handed a card today and you were asked the question, where are you with your relationship with the Lord, what, what would you write? Would you write that, well, I'm not really following him much or I'm not really serious? Or maybe your card would be blank. Well, I just want to share with you tonight, today, not tonight. I just want to share with you this morning that God has an answer for you. He desires more of you. That's what he wants. He wants that close relationship with you. And he wants to reveal his word to you. And he has a purpose for your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to know him in such a deeper way. And you can do that. You need to just ask the Lord to help you if you've slacked off to forgive you and ask him to help you to have that desire to follow him. Now, if you filled out that blank card because you didn't know what I was talking about, just want to let you know if you have any doubt, and I know there are people that come to church, they come week after week after week after week. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Week after week after week, and they... They no, they're not sure. They're not sure that if they died that they would go to heaven. Today is your day. There's no guarantee for tomorrow. I remember a team that went out to witness to a bunch of motorcycle gentlemen, and the woman presented the gospel, and within a week that man, was he had passed away. So there is no guarantee for tomorrow. We only have today. So as the worship team worships, if you would just stand at your feet, And if you would just bow your hearts, and I just want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for everyone that is here today, Lord. We know that nothing is by chance. 
we know, Lord, that you draw us, Lord, that it is your Holy Spirit that draws us to you. And we thank you. We know, Lord, that somebody's been praying for us, oh, Lord. That's why we're here today. And I want to pray, first of all, Lord, for my brother and sister who, who've been a Christian for a while. And, Lord, they're not serving you the way they should or they're not praying the way they should or they're just allowing other things of this world to crowd out the goodness of you, Lord. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would, you would speak to their hearts, that, that they would realize, Lord, that you're the most important thing that they should have in their life, that there's nothing compared to you, O oh Lord. That, Lord, that you love us, Lord. You sent Jesus to die for us. And that, Lord, you want us to walk close to you, Lord. You want to show us more things, Lord, what you have in store for us, oh, Lord. Lord, I pray if that's, I pray for them, oh, Lord. I pray that today, Lord, that they'll make that decision to follow you closer, Lord, to spend more time with you, oh, Lord. And, Father, I pray for that person, Lord, that has never given their heart to the Lord that doesn't understand and doesn't know that their sins are forgiven. Lord, you provide that for us, O oh Lord. You love the world so much that you sent your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life, O oh Lord. But that, Lord, we have to apply it to our life. That, Lord, we have to repent of our sins. We have to ask you, Lord, to come into our life to be your, you, you be our Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, I pray for that person, Lord. I pray, Lord God, you would open up their heart and they'd be willing to receive you in their lives. But, Lord, not only as Savior, but as Lord of every area of their lives. Because, you see, Lord, I know that you don't want to be the co-pilot of one's life. You want to be the pilot, Lord. You want to be the Lord of life. And so, Lord, I pray for that person. And I'm just going to say the sinner's prayer. And if everybody would repeat that as I pray, if you repeat this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I admit that I am a sinner. And that I need you to come into my life. And to forgive me of my sins. To wash me and cleanse me. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life that you give through Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, take control of my life. Be my Lord of every area of my life. Help me, Lord, to hunger for the things of you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.